0: I'm your host, Jim Dietz, and uh, through various technical difficulties, health issues, and other uh, travails and alarms and excursions we've had to deal with in the past few weeks, we are now back on track and coming to you live, well, as live as the internet can be. Um, We have an action-packed Action Lab podcast this time out, and I have the uh, great great honor of being able to speak and interview, um, speak to and interview uh, Mr. Jamal Igle of Molly Danger fame, and many other great comics you probably may have heard of from various and sundry other co- companies, but we talk about comics, we talk about Molly Danger, and it's a really good discussion, and uh, you'll definitely want to stick around to listen to that. But right now, let's go in the news. <music> And in the news, go around. Um, First off, I want to uh, thank everyone who participated in our uh, Fan Outreach Expo Action Lab Day at Acme Comics in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, Kelly Dale came out, Brockton McKinney, who I was able to interview on the last podcast, uh, the creator of M-Theory, and a bunch of other Action Lab people. Like Kevin Freeman, I think, was there. Uh, we're able to uh, go out and uh, talk to the fans and... Uh, hold some workshops about writing and drawing comics professionally and sell some prints. And uh, it turned out to be a really, really cool event and something we'd like to replicate maybe at other comic stores. And there's a uh, audio file of the writing seminar available at Acme comics home podcast, uh, the Acme cast. And that link is available also in the action lab Twitter feed. Uh, if you just look for it there, you can link to it there. You can listen to the entire uh, comics writing seminar given by, you know, comics professionals with that, kind of, uh, frame of mind, so definitely check it out, and thank you for everybody who, uh, volunteered, participated, and enjoyed, uh, Action Lab Day at Acme Comics. Well, speaking of big days coming up, uh, we're not too far away from, uh, Free Comic Book Day, uh, less than a month now, and, uh, if you're not aware of what we have going on here at Action Lab for Free Comic Book Day, then you really need to get schooled up, and here I am to give you all the details. Uh, we have two different books coming out, each book has two different stories inside, uh, which is pretty cool. Double double feature uh, on the action Lab side. We have uh, Skyward, which has been a big hit for us. Uh, all adventure, all ages adventure, fantasy tale. That's just really well written and, and well, art, and the art is beautiful. And we are debuting uh, Ray Anthony Heights Midnight Tiger, a different kind of superhero for the new millennium. It really is uh, a cool concept and and some cool art. Midnight Tiger, I think, is going to be a big hit for us uh, at Action Lab, and his debut will be in our free comic book day comic on the Danger Zone side. We also have another double feature going on. We have Zombie Tramp by Dan Mendoza, which has been a big uh, cult hit for us. It's kind of, it's not for everyone, but for the people it's for, it's been very popular. It's that that kind of uh, dark Beyond Dark Humor, I would now, you know, um, equip with maybe a, a Yonan Vasquez, you know, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, uh, The Murder Family by Evan Dorkin, that kind of thing. If you're into that um, black beyond black comedy, um, just like super farcical uh, s- strange comedy, uh, then I would definitely recommend uh, Zombie Tramp D, plus if you like Zombies and Tramps, uh, you can't really go wrong. And the other half of that double feature will be, once again, the omnipresent Brockton McKinney and M-Theory, um, debuting the next volume of the series that has yet to be uh, seen. So uh, definitely check out our free comic book day offerings. We have some really cool books out there. You can get a, flavor, a sense of what uh, we have to offer and uh, what um, you know what new comics we have coming down the pike as well. So free comic book day. Check out what we've got. Speaking of free ways, you can check out what we've got. We have a new kind of in-house fanzine going on. It's an electronic fanzine. You can get it free at Comixology. It, it's it's a double-sided. We have, uh, as we, you know, everything else with Action Lab, we have the Action Lab side and the adult-only Danger Zone side. mature readers, I'm sorry, Danger Zone side. And this uh, fanzine is no, this electronic fanzine is no different. Um, the Action Lab uh, is called Action Lab Confidential Danger Zone Declassified. And what this is, is a free magazine you can download from Comixology, and it has preview art, it has previews of yet-to-be-seen comics, interviews with creators, uh, behind-the-scenes kind of stuff, just in-house stuff, really cool, it's kind of our own in-house fanzine that we're running, um, and it's free to you, the public, you can get a taste of some things we have coming up. You can check out the art for some books and see if that's something you would like to look into or not. It's a great free way to get acquainted with some of our Action Lab books and comics and artists and writers. And uh, I can't can't emphasize enough. It's free. You can get it at Comixology. Um, The link is in our Twitter feed. Or you can just go to Comixology, go to the Action Lab page, and get it there. It's called Action Lab Confidential Danger Zone Declassified. And, uh, you know, get yourself in the know one of the Action Lab founding fathers, godfathers, as it were. We interviewed him very early on here on the podcast, uh, Dave Twanch. He's kind of the glue that keeps Action Lab together. He does, he writes. He does coloring. He does art. He does inks. He does promotional materials. He does um, uh, guided view stuff for the, for the digital side of things. And now, as if he wasn't uh, busy enough, he has his own Kickstarter going on called Cyrus Perkins and the haunted taxicab. And you can either look that up on Kickstarter or you can just go to our Twitter feed and get the link there because we've been running it fairly reg- fairly regularly in our Twitter feed. And uh, this is a project Dave really believes in. It's really kind of a cool concept. It looks really fun. It's got that Dave Twanch uh, well thought out yet um, totally uh, uh, off kilter style. And uh, it looks great. He's pretty close to it. He's already hit his goal. And now we just working on stretch goals, but you definitely would want to get in on this on the ground floor because it's going to be a cool comic. And, uh, you know, Dave Duan, like I said, he's, he's one of the dynamos um, keeping the engine running behind the, the scenes here at Action Lab. And, uh, I w- of course, we'd like to do anything to help him out. So the Kickstarter is called Cyrus Perkins and the Haunted Taxi Cap. And, again, we have the link for it um, going on in our Twitter feed. So if you follow us on Twitter, yeah, You can either go back and look at our Twitter feed for the past couple of days, or you'll see it coming eventually. So, uh, good luck, Dave. And finally, but not, uh, last but certainly not least, uh, my guest this evening on, on the, um, Action Lab podcast, Mr. J, uh, the esteemable Mr. Jamal Igel, um, one of the most talented artists I know of in the world, uh, of comics, uh, has been nominated for th- not one, not two, but three, uh, glyph awards. Now this is the same award that, uh, the action lab title princeless was nominated for. I believe it was last year or possibly the year before, or maybe both. Um, these are awards given to comics that are either written by for or about people of color. And, uh, this, uh, You know, Molly Danger is such an excellent book. I mean, we're so honored to to be nominated for all the awards that it has uh, gotten so far. And now it's nominated for three Glyph Awards for Best best Book, Best Artist, and the Fan Overall Award. So that's um, the Glyph Awards. And if you uh, follow the link in our Twitter feed, once again, I know I keep going back to that Twitter feed, but that's where a lot of these links... It'd be a lot easier for you to click click on it there and just follow us rather than me to you know, recite the link to you orally over the podcast. It'll take you to the press release that explains everything about the Glyph Awards, shows you a list of all the nominees, and also can direct you to how you can vote for the Fan Award, which is one of the awards that Molly Danger is nominated for. So good luck, Jamal. Uh, we hope you win all three that you're nominated for. Molly Danger is certainly deserving of, of all the attention it is getting, if not more, So, definitely uh, check Molly Danger out and uh, go to that website and vote for Molly and Jamal. Go, Team Danger. Uh, We are a little late on things on the racks this week, so we're just going to go directly into the previews for the month of April. And the new previews catalog is out for the month of April, and this is what we have to offer for pre order. Delivering in the month of June The first book on our list is Jackhammer 4 of 4 It's the climax of the first arc Of the Jackhammer story And uh, if you haven't heard of this book uh, You really should, it's by Brandon Barrows And uh, Brandon Barrows, I'm sorry And the artist uh, known as Ionic And um, really cool Art, really good story, it's it's kind of a Mix of like 24 with a Noir sensibility and superpowers Um, if you're a fan of Brian Michael Bendis And Michael even, uh, innings powers but um can envision that on maybe a higher government scale um, more of a conspiracy thing going on then you kind of have an idea of the neighborhood that jackhammer is in um coolest thing about this issue i think personally is um, i mean not taking anything away from the cover by ionic who does the interior art but there's an alternative cover that looks like a silver age dc book with the checker book the uh, checkerboard um, background and a giant monkey on the cover and all the thing, a lot of things you'd expect to see <laughs> on an old Silver Age book. Um, it's a really cool variant cover. If you're into something like that, something like that would appeal to you, you should definitely check it out. Um, you can see a, a GIF of it in the uh, on our website, ActionLiveComics.com, or you can check out the art itself in the previous catalog, and that's Jackhammer 4 of 4. Next is a debut, uh, Princeless, The Pirate Princess by Jeremy Whitley and Sue Paik. And um, this is the beginning of a new princess story. Um, if you haven't, if you're not a fan of uh, princesses, then you really should be. It's a really fun tale. It's an all ages story, but definitely there's a lot of, of um, uh, you know humor and adventure in it that adults would enjoy as well. And this is the beginning of a brand new story arc: the pirate princess. So if you like princesses and the fairy tale paradigm kind of switched on its head, and pirates, you should definitely check this book out. Uh, number one of four in the miniseries for Princess, the Power Princess, available in previews this month. Here's something I'm very excited to talk about. Skyward, um, a book that we mentioned earlier. Uh, Skyward number 10 is available uh, for pre-order. And this issue is very special because it is a good jumping on point for... Uh, new readers. It's the beginning of a brand new story. Um, it's the beginning of a brand new story arc. The um, This is a, probably the best jumping on point you could get 10 issues in. It's a great jumping on point for new readers because it's the beginning of a whole new arc of a new story. Um, and new new um, allies, new paths is opened up for them. And because it's such a good jumping on point, because we want more and more people to check out this book, because it's so deserving of a bigger audience than it has, this issue of Skyward will be available for only one dollar. So if you pre-order it on previews, it'll only be a dollar. Um, this is how much we believe in Skyward. This is how much we believe that if you check it out, if you get one issue of Skyward, you're going to be hooked and you're going to end up ordering it and pre-ordering it and going back and getting the trades and, and reading it. It's that good of a story. And that's how much we uh, we hear it Action I believe in that. And that we're going to sell you that issue. The Great jumping On Point for New Readers for only $1. So that's Skyward number 10 over on the action lab danger zone side uh, one of our digital debuts has now made the jump to print scum of the earth and it's going to be a bi-monthly uh, by mark bartolini and rob grudenbergs and basically to really break this down in an elevator pitch for you imagine the natural born killers uh, mickey and mallory versus uh, terminator and killer aliens and that's pretty much scum of the earth i mean i know it sounds uh, this grindhouse sensibility this uh, you know, a couple of thrill killers pitted, you know, in, in their, in their sweet, uh, car, uh, pitted against an unstoppable alien robot, uh, bent on destroying mankind. Um, that appeals to you. I know it appealed to me. I really enjoyed it. It's a super fun comment. The violence is over the top, but if that doesn't bother you, then you should definitely check it out. It's of the earth. Uh, number one. Rounding out our uh, Danger Zone offerings for the month of April in previous is the Zombie Tramp Action Pack. And I mentioned Zombie Tramp earlier. This is by uh, Dan Mendoza. He does the writing and the art. And this is the complete Zombie Tramp Action Pack, meaning this is one through four of volume one, one through four of volume two. Uh, all of them collected 256 pages worth of Zombie Tramp. Um, If that's something you dig, something you're into, if you like that kind of over-the-top creepy humor, uh, gothy humor, or what have you, then this is definitely a way to get caught up with who we like to call the street-walking dead, Um, Zombie Tramp by Dan Mendoza. Um, It's all the Zombie Tramp issues so far in one trade paperback, all in one volume. If you're like me, if you like to wait for the trade for some things, here it is. Again, 256 pages of Zombie Tramp in the action pack, and that it's also available this month in previews and hopefully thanks to my judicious uh, editing skills you haven't been able to uh, detect that I am uh, fighting a really bad chest cold and cough so without any further ado let us uh, adjourn to my uh, interview with the, the incredibly uh, talented and uh, gracious for spending so much time talking to uh, uh, to me uh, uh, Jamal I of Molly danger fame among other things Hey everybody, welcome to the Action Lab Podcast, and it is my distinct pleasure this evening to be speaking to Mr. Jamal Igle. How are you this evening, sir?
1: I'm good, Jim. How's everything?
0: Uh, I would, would, you know, there's that old, uh, everything's great with me. There's that old cliche, you know, that the man needs no introduction, you know. you have to introduce him anyway, so I'm going to keep on with that tradition. I mean, uh, Jamal is just is an incredible award winning artist. He's worked on both sides of the big two independent projects. I think the first time I ever saw your art actually was in Noble Causes. Didn't you do a fill-in issue?
1: I was it a full? I don't think it was a full issue. I did a backup okay. in Noble Causes, but uh, yeah, but. Oh yeah, no, I did a, I did a story in a, uh, the one of the noble causes specials. Also, that was a full story. That was a full story. But I did a, like in one of the the the, the first miniseries, I did a a backup with
0: Celeste,
1: and Rusty, where uh, they go into the the backstory of how
0: Rusty ended up in his robot body. Right. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've, I always follow artists and writers, and uh, I've been a big fan of Jay's for a long time. So I know you've worked with him on a few things.
1: Yeah, Jay, Jay, Jay and I, Jay, Jay's one of my regular criminals. Uh, <laughs> Jay, Jay and I worked together on, we did New Warriors, Iron Fist Wolverine, Noble Causes, Venture. Uh, we tried to get some a couple of other things going too, but that, those never took off. But Jay's one of the, one of those writers who, you know, I consider him a friend and I would work with him on anything you know with the if the opportunity
0: lined up just the right way so right right absolutely well let's let's start at the start then if you don't mind okay. what what is your um like and this is the question i've been asking everybody on the podcast uh, to start out with what is your comic book dna what what causes your i mean everybody in action lab seems to have a real love and care for the medium and a real, real like a heartfelt feeling for the medium of comics. Now I know you haven't only done comics, you've done, you know, animation storyboarding and a lot of other different things, right. but what is it in your, you know, your comics DNA or your past that really you know draws you to the love of the medium?
1: I think it, honestly, I think it's just the medium itself. I, I've always been attracted to artwork. I've always been attracted to good storytelling and good writing and I think even from the beginning, because the, the the first my first exposure to comics wasn't even through comics, it was through uh, through film. But you know, I I you know, my grandfather took me to see Superman the movie when I was five and I immediately fell in love with comics and then my family just sort of I just you know it was just one of those things that's kind of like girls like you you ignored them forever and then suddenly they were everywhere and you were trying to figure out how to get your hands on one <laughs> so so it's like as after I saw you know Christopher Reeve and Superman suddenly this whole world of comics and superheroes and animation just sort of Became apparent to me And then as I got older I started to get into the Independent scene and I was reading Nexus Badger and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and You know a lot of like the stuff Out of Chicago the first comic stuff You know troll lords and you know that that stuff. oh was, yeah
0: absolutely yeah. i mean like my my first exposure to comics was you know the you know the typical dc and marvel stuff in the 70s right. i think the first comic i ever really uh, read and bought that was like uh, uh a jim starlin warlock comic like warlock number nine <laughs> or maybe and i had no idea what the hell i was looking at i'm just like right. what is this the in betweener and uh, uh, this guy is actually this guy from the future but crazy and you know whatever but um but, yeah, I mean, what you're saying about the indie scene in the 80s, that's what really sold me on the medium. I mean, like Nexus, Badger, uh, John Sable, Freelance. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Puma Great. Blues. You know, I mean, that's really Oh, what, I
1: completely forgot about that book. Oh, my God. Yeah. The,
0: I mean, that's what really sold me on, like, made me realize, you know, the potential of comics as far as, you know, for storytelling or whatever.
1: Oh, yeah. no, I was a big Grendel guy, too. Actually. Yeah, yeah.
0: Matt, um, Matt Wagner. I mean. Grendel and mage too i I loved it as well
1: absolutely but yeah i mean those were like here's here's where i come come from because it wasn't just the independent stuff like i had more exposure to the superhero stuff obviously because that was before high school that was the stuff that i could get my hands on and uh but i always gravitated more towards you know the dc heroes and the dc universe even though i read a lot of marvel books i read a lot of x-men and fantastic four and spider-man but i wasn't as big a marvel fan back then i'm probably a much bigger marvel fan now um than i was then but you know that that is just i i like what marvel's doing right has been doing with the marvel now stuff so but in, in terms of like once i got into high school because i went to the high school of art and design in new york and two blocks from Art and Design, they used to have uh, one of the Forbidden Planet used to have their store on 59th Street. So, you know, we would go over to Forbidden Planet and that's where I really sort of got my education in terms of like the, the indie scene and indie comics and what, you know, Neil Adams was doing over at continuity and, <clears throat> and, you know, first comics and now comics and, you know, Mirage and, you know, all that stuff. So, that was really sort of like kind of like kind of like the deluge like you know i was surrounded by more comics than i could possibly imagine and just a wide spectrum of 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 titles and a wide variety of stories and you know that's how i discovered akira and that's how i got into like bubblegum crisis and yeah, you know, and you know, apple seed, and you know, and the the manga stuff back then, and mm-hmm. yeah, you, know, you know, and even like uh, one of the one of the the first projects that I ever remember seeing Brian Stelfreeze do was a miniseries called Psychops that he did for the the same company that used to publish Comics Interview. So you know, it was just little things like that that was just kind of seeded all the way through, mm-hmm. and you know, and then I did my internship at DC. And, you know, then I got, to, got a taste of the, the, the inside of the industry. And that was sort of the point where I was just like, wow, you can actually make a living doing this. You can actually make a living doing comics. So that, that's really, it's, it's ingrained. It's really just a round, you know, going on the roundabout way. It's really ingrained.
0: It's it's funny too because you say, you know, you came at you came at it from the movies and I definitely see that in your layouts and uh you know, the way your 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 quote unquote POV and shots, you oh, yeah. know, your your director's eye or whatever. I, I really can appreciate that in your in your writing and your art. Um is is uh was that like a seminal thing for you? You said your dad took you to see you know, Superman the movie, you know, when you were five years old. Did you watch a lot of movies growing up when you were a kid? Or you Oh yeah, home?
1: absolutely absolutely. Yeah. I was a latchkey kid too, so I spent a lot of time watching movies on television but um yeah I mean there was there was also a time when I had seriously considered not being coming like a a film director or anything but for for a while in high school I was thinking about working for ILM because I was really also into like special you know special effects technology and model building and that sort of thing and really like that was the per that was like the perfect storm geek storm for me in high school 1986 you know? right <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> well yeah i mean it was i mean that was such a legendary year for comics oh, yeah, a, i yeah. mean that was like the height of the 80s you know movies and, uh, as absolutely. well I mean,
1: absolutely so you know you've got you know my i rem- one of my best memories is going with uh my cousins to see indiana jones at the temple of doom up in hudson new york at this drive-in theater it was a double feature with uh uncommon valor <laughs> wow! It's luckily, they showed Indiana Jones first because I fell asleep ten minutes into Uncommon
0: Man. <laughs> oh, man, what a pairing! It was weird. I think about it now; it was very, very
1: weird. But you know, that's a drive-in theater experience for you, man. You you go in for a, in for a penny and for a pound, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I, mean, I remember I. Uh, the, there's still a place around here, actually, that um, uh, Sean Gabbard, our, our friend from Action Lab, tries to get me to go, that does the all-night uh, monster movies at the drive-in. So,
1: really? Yeah, um... I keep
0: meaning to get out there because that was such a seminal experience for me as a teenager. I, um, My dad was a single parent, we a widower for a while, so I, uh, I didn't have a lot of supervision from age 12 on. Right. So I used to always go to the drive-in and the movie, you know, the all-night, you know, horror movies. So, oh man, it's quite, it's quite an experience, communal experience, I, I, you know. And I, plus, I mean, back in the day, you, I mean, if you wanted indie comics or if you wanted like to find Akira or something you know, on VHS right. or something, you really had to kind of seek that out. I mean, it's so much. I mean, I I can't even. Uh, Begin to explain to you, and here I am sounding like the old man on the hill or whatever. But <laughs> it's you know it's hard for me to explain to like you know teens and twenty year olds how hard it was to like try to find some of these things and how that was such an issue. Oh, absolutely. You know, back in the day, whereas now it's just like bleep, bloop hey, there yeah, it is. Yeah, I,
1: I, I tell you what, when I was in high school, because I went to like I said, I went to art and design, and I when I was a freshman at art and design, uh, Buzz, uh, was there was a was this, junior or senior i think it was a junior and he used to run the comic book club so he would show show up with a vhs and all this japanese animated he had like friends overseas who were sh- you know so we saw akira a like a year before it hit the states
0: wow
1: we saw project Aiko two years before it hit the states like, all, the, all this, you know, now classic anime, you know, we got our hands on bef- before. And up until that point, all I'd ever seen was, like, you know, Star
0: Blazers. Yeah, right, Speed racers. Exactly. Kimba the White Lion, I remember that oh, was one that they had for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, did, I remember,
1: I think it was either the, yeah, pretty, like, early 80s, they had another show called uh, Saber Rider and the Star Sheriff's. Uh, was which, that the one with
0: the robot horses that flew? Yes, yes, it <laughs> is. Okay, I do remember that one. Yeah, said,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. But I remember, yeah, Star Blazers for sure. I mean, oh yeah, but, but uh,
1: that—that's—that was all I knew up until that point. And then you know, to see, you know, and at the same, again, at the same time, you know, I'm getting exposed to all these other aspects of comics and animation that was, you know, in some cases,
0: literally foreign to me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a yeah. whole different language in anime and manga than than it is, you know, in, in Western comics. or I mean, even European comics have a different pacing and a different oh, absolutely. kind of visual language. Absolutely, so there's a,
1: there's a uh, with with Western comics, they try to vacillate between the two, and I think Western comics, for the most part, is a lot like the English language. It's a a, a mishmash of different styles. That kind of, that people try to put together, as opposed to you know Japanese manga, which is much more about faster paced stories and and longer stories, versus European comics uh, bande which is about short contained stories. Even if it's part of a longer narrative, uh, European bande th- tries to fit that initial story in between forty eight and fifty six pages. And so that you can get everything that you want out of that story, right there. And that's just the, that's just the formula. It, it, it's the, the stories are are paced much more slowly. Uh, the the format of the pages. I think the average panel count usually is somewhere between nine and twelve pages, but panels per page, rather. Excuse me. But whereas opposed to American comics, you know. With action scenes, you try to keep it between four and six panels. If you want to do a little bit more to kind of slow the pace down, it's seven panels. With manga, it's usually never more
0: than four panels per page. Right. I mean, you have the giant film book size mangas, but, you know, it would be 20 pages of just two people looking at each other talking. Exactly. But with a lot of different angles and things going on. But, yeah, that's why I'm, exactly what I'm talking about. Just like an entire you know, different way of looking at, you know, illustration and storytelling. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, you know uh, the the genesis and the, the creation of a project. I know you've been working on it for years and years and years, and we finally saw the you know the, it finally came to fruition thanks to the Kickstarter and Action Lab and everything else. Um, Tell me about the genesis of Molly Danger. Where did where did the idea come from? Where did it begin? Where did it start?
1: <clears throat> well, originally Molly was it was an animation pitch. Uh, a friend of mine and I were having, we were driving back from uh, from Pittsburgh, actually from Pittsburgh Comic Con one year, and uh, this was 2003, yeah, 2003, and we were just kind of going back back and forth about you know different different ideas and you know if we were going to do a cartoon like a, a a kids cartoon, what would we want to do? So at first, you know, we were talking about doing making it a, a teenager, Make, you know, making the character, the lead character a teenager definitely had to be female. We were, you know, when the conversation started, it, you know, we were skewing more towards, you know, the, the higher end, you know, like 16, 17. But I started to think about it. and I was like, no, it has to be a kid. It has to, she has to be young. Or at least appear young and as we were you know going back and forth of the name molly danger just popped into my head and it it sort of evolved from from uh from that initial idea uh molly i i wrote a treatment and is pretty much the, the 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 treatment pretty much stayed the same uh but the original idea behind m- what Molly can do and what her exact power set was was a m- little bit more nebulous i guess well
0: it the... seems to be like I, I, it seems to be like a uh, it seems to be like a major plot thread that you're working toward i mean oh yeah say,
1: absolutely i mean, well, I
0: mean the ex- okay. not so much even the definition of her power set, but more the explanation i guess it you know it I mean? is
1: it's a it's a big what she can do, why she can do it, and who she is ultimately is really the focus of the series, at least the the initial series. And then the idea for me really is to use the first four books as a launch pad to where I want to take Molly in the future because I have a defined idea of who she becomes after this, after these first four books, so with the the, but originally it was much more of a sort of Alice in Wonderland through the Looking Glass kind of thing, mm-hmm. where you know we would go between realities and you were you weren't sure which reality was the actual reality. And when I revisited the idea a couple of years ago, because I actually had been approached by another publisher back in 2010 about pitching, uh, a project, a kid superhero project. And Molly just sort of was just, just sort of popped back into my head as being, I mean, I never let her go, mm-hmm. but she sort of just popped back in my head as being the, the project that I should pursue. So when I looked at the, the plot that I had originally written, you know, that element, that original element of, you know, multiple dimensions and, and all that stuff just became it was just way too complicated. You know, I, I needed to pare it down and start from a very simple premise, the premise being that she is Molly Danger and she has always been Molly Danger. And as far as she knows, she's never had any other life other than being Molly Danger. So that's where that's where the starting point became. And then. I built the rest of the series around there. And the the thing about it is I wanted to write I wanted to write the type of book that I wasn't seeing in terms of superhero comics, in terms of comics that girls could read and boys could read and you know, something that was you know, kid friendly but had enough complexity that adults would be drawn to it at the same time. And to me, Molly danger is more of a coming of age story rather than a superhero story. It's about a young girl who, you know, who for the last 20 years has been living one type of life and has been kept at arm's length by everybody around her. And she's lonely and she she wants a, a life outside of being a superhero, even though she loves being a superhero. And you know that was one of the things that I wanted to get across with her as a character is that I you know I wanted there to be clear joy in what she does. She likes helping people. She likes fighting the good fight. But even though you like those things, it's just like any sort of job you may appreciate the job that you do you may love the job that you do but there are times for some people there are times when they're sitting in a room by themselves wondering what else am i besides this am i just am i just my job in molly's case am i just a superhero don't i have the right to have friends don't i have the right to to make real relationships with people so, you know, there, there's all these elements attached to it.
0: I think what I appreciate about it most is like something that you mentioned is that sense of fun. I mean, mm-hmm. I read so many comics now, especially from the from mainstream you know, comics, that just are full of angst and and pain and misery and no none of that fun, adventurous kind of right. you know gee whiz kind of thing that hooked me into comics back when I you know first started reading them as a kid. I mean. Uh, and that's really there. And then the depth of the story just really I won't say it surprised me because I knew what to expect going in from from you. I mean, no, f- you yeah, know, I'm not right. not kissing up, but I i, I knew you, I knew you were no Schmidt, you know, no schlub, you know, but I was um, but I was really amazed at like how it was such a good all ages story. You had so much depth, like like the scene where they walk into the the um the danger uh, uh, dome or whatever is that yeah, is the Molly dome. Yeah. dome. And they, they have all the pictures of all the people who died. Yeah. Uh, working with her I'm just like whoa you know this is this is an all ages thing but that's pretty heavy you know to have that memorial wall of you know the guy's first day as he's walking by you know right, looking, yeah. looking but, at all the other guys <laughs> who had died you know helping out Molly um, right
1: but you know but, but that's one of those things that you never get to see in Justice League or the Avengers or or anything else I want again one of the things that was impressed upon me uh by a children's book editor was don't be afraid of dark kids can handle dark but it's how it's presented that is ultimately going to bring readers to your book and i think that's one of the problems you talk about a lot of the stuff in the main that's going on in the mainstream there's this need especially for mainstream superhero comics right now there, there seems to be this need for this false sense of relevancy For this, you know, dire everything has to be dire and serious Mm -hmm. and modeling. And I don't remember comics being like that. And and we're about the same age. I don't remember comics being like that when I was a kid. You know, even even if you look at the stuff that we read coming up, you know, Death of Gene Gray, perfect example. You know? very, very dark story, heartbreaking, tragic story. But I wouldn't be afraid to give a ten-year-old a copy of that trade. Right. You know, you're not going to see. You know, even though Jean gets killed, it's you know a quick flash and she's gone.
0: There's a big difference between uh, something being dark and something having gravitas. Something exactly. having a story having weight. The reason. Exactly. I mean, the reason that the you know to use your example, the death of Jean Grey has you know, that kind of impact isn't because it's such a dark story. It's because we care about her and the characters and we've come this far with her. And now this dark thing has happened. And now, you know, she's reacting to it in this way. I mean, I mean, dark, you know, dark just for the sake of dark. I mean, we kind of, I mean the, I always say that, you know, a lot of writers learned the wrong lesson from Alan Moore and, and Frank Miller and they just went grim and gritty and didn't realize that the reason those stories worked was because the characters had weight. They had, you know, the plot, you know, the the story had weight to it because you cared about the characters, not just because it was but that, pretty gritty. But exa- exactly and, Alan and,
1: Moore is a perfect example. Of, and and, this
0: and well, Molly Danger is a good example. Just real quick, you know, just to put the, the fine end on my point. I mean, right. the story has weight; it has gravitas. And like you said, you know, kids can handle dark, but it's not just dark to be dark. You know, it's not right. oh, look how relevant and edgy we are. You know, we went there. You know, it's like just tell me a good story. You know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: absolutely, I I think. My, my goal with Molly Danger is to make people cry, but in a good way. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want to make them sad, but I want them to be able to cry. By the time the first four books are done, I want them to be able to cry with happiness about where she's going. You know, the, the story really is about what happens to you when everything that you believe about yourself is ripped away. And what are you left with? Who do you become after that? And that, you know, that's you know one of the big themes of the story.
0: Right. I just uh, and another thing I appreciate about it too is that Molly, you draw Molly like an actual ten-year-old girl with luck. <laughs> you know, the people in Molly Danger look the way people look. They don't look like they all just walked off a gold Gym ad you know, <laughs> or or uh you know a plastic surgery ad or something right. like that i just um I really appreciate that a lot about the book oh, i thanks. I just you know having a daughter of my own now i just i'm really i i you know before I just kind of blew it off, it's just like yeah, it's just you know kind of you know um you know female objectification on an adolescent <laughs> level, and I just kind of ignored it, but I just really see how kind of pervasive and kind of pernicious that can be in in yeah. you know in in that kind of stuff and to see. You know, Molly Danger is such a, a positive and, and three dimensionally uh, you know realized character role model for a young girl. It just you know is so such a breath of fresh air and just so oh, so appealing to me. You know, and and like I said, I'm not trying to I'm trying to kiss up to you or anything. I mean, you know, you know, you, know you, you that you're doing you know something right. I'm just saying that you know, just I really appreciate what you are doing.
1: I, um, I thanks, man. I well, I mean that was really. I mean that was really. I mean Molly. Ultimately, Molly's design, like the overall design of Molly has not changed since we created her. And I thought about it a few times about like trying to do more of like a Brian Hitch kind of, you know, more like realistic, you know, not realistic. I hit, no, that's the wrong word. But, you know, that kind of like faux ultimate sort of piping and, you know, and, and everything. But when I when I look at the design. And I questioned. I used to question it because I was just like, maybe I'm dressed putting her in too ba- too many layers. I mean, you know, she's got like the the mini skirt and, and the, the 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 leggings and the jacket and the giant gloves and the bracers and the you know and her you know, her molly ball the 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 headbands and the the belt and you know and I'm and i I used to question, like maybe I should change it, maybe I should streamline it a little bit, and then I had a daughter, and then I was around <laughs> other little girls, and I was around ten year i you know around nine and ten year old girls and like, yeah, that's how they dress
0: you know that's exactly
1: how, that's exactly how they dress
0: that's awesome. <laughs> I'll press the interview <laughs> that worked out ahead of time
1: well yeah, I mean but that was that was the thing i I was going for you know i was going for something unique and individual and you know something that again you know even back then something that i hadn't seen in other characters you know because usually the default is to put them in a skin tight costume and and you know i wanted you know there i mean there's definite reasons why i do it the, the jacket gives her a sense of Flow when she's leaping around, and you know it's kind of it kind of almost becomes a pseudo cape in a lot of ways, and you know, but it also gives her volume. It makes her look, you know, even though she's this little girl, it makes her look more powerful than she would uh, she would normally be if she was just in like a regular you know skin tight shirt. Yeah, you know, you know, there's you know, and then of course there's a reason why she's got M's all over her costume. You know, there's there's a story based reason why she has M's all over her costume. Somebody dressed her that way on
0: purpose. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> it works out as a good as a great logo though.
1: Oh yeah, that that was again that was this was you know my one of my my big regrets for a very long time was that I had to put the put the book on the shelf for as long as I did because I was getting so busy with you know with you know mainstream mainstream work and but one of the the greatest moments of my life has been putting this first book together and just even just plotting out the second
0: the actual like production values on the book are outstanding as well. I just really I love that format, the hardbound uh, oversized uh, format yeah. like that, like the Tintin style format. Yeah, yeah, it just it looks so good on on the shelf, and I mean the 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 coloring, the the paper. I mean, it, just everything. It just really is a really really nice package altogether. Yeah,
1: Every, everybody everybody did uh, an amazing job, and my wife Corinne did all the production design on the book and really put oh, wow. it
0: together. I did not know that. Yeah. So exactly. I I have not had a chance to publicly congratulate you uh and uh and uh Kelly Dale on your promotions to the uh heads uh, co-heads of the promotions and yes, public you're, relations Yes,
1: co-marketing directors.
0: Okay. Two kings. <laughs> 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 and uh I just I just wanted to congratulate you guys. I think uh you you definitely are are good fits for the for the jobs and uh and I, I've already seen like a big change in uh in the way things, that, you know, as far as you know, getting the word out there about Action Lab. I mean, yeah, absolutely.
1: No, but you're doing a great job too. Everything that you're oh, doing
0: as far sure. as the
1: social media stuff and with the podcast. And, you're you're you know, dropping
0: like... the bucket, sir. Oh um... no, no, <laughs> this is
1: this is, a, this is a team effort, and you know that. And you know, this is you know, I'm couldn't be happier with you know the way everybody's pulling together, and it, it's it's great. I mean, we're you know we're a new company, we're a young company, but. I would put Action Lab product right next to anything that's coming out from DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, Dynamite, anybody. And in a few cases, even more so, just because of the diversity of of books that we have and the lineup of creators that we're using. You know, new young voices, especially like people who are given or being given a chance to to put out something that really means something to them and. You know bringing their a game
0: well that's something i was talking to brockton about uh brockton mckinney about on the last podcast is that i mean because i mean action lab is all over the place as far as you know different kinds and different genres and you know you can't say you know like some some publishers are known for publishing you know manga or they they publish you know horror or you know that's all they do right. i mean we have such a diverse um, um stable of books i kind of look at the action lab you know logo as almost like a seal of approval like you know enough that you know, you see that, you know, you're going to get some quality writing and, and art, you know, almost like, I don't know, you look at, like, Image, they put a lot, of, uh, a lot of different kinds of books, but you see the Image imprint, you assume a certain level, a certain right. standard, you know, of, of quality, and I kind of see that with our books, too. I mean, I can't think of any any book in The Action Lab or Dangerous Unstable that's just, like, that doesn't reach that that bar, you know?
1: Oh, no, but, I, would I would absolutely I agree. Like I could mean, stand I, behind I, everyone. Absolutely. And I know a lot of the stuff that we've got coming up as well. It's just, it's amazing. It really is. I mean, and, you know, I, you know, there are a lot of people who will listen to this. Well, you know, he's the marketing director. You know, he's going to say that. No, I'm, you know, I am saying this because as a fan of comics and as a comic reader and, you know, knowing like Michigan, the sea devil, wait till you people see this book. It is Gorgeous!
0: I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of um, beautiful. uh Beautiful planet, gigantic planet, gigantic. I think is, that's going to be huge. Yeah. I love the look of that book. I think so that, too. I, I think really so do. too. You
1: now, itty bitty bunnies in Rainbow Pixie Candyland. I have a hard time describing this book to like people
0: <laughs>
1: with sense with delicate sensibilities. <laughs> but... It, it is such a great book. Dean is so funny. Oh my god, this book is so great. I I am I have rarely laughed that hard reading a comic book, and it it's
0: just it is absolutely nuts. <laughs> I think people what people need to realize. I mean, you you say you know, oh, he's the marketing director. He would say that. I think the reason. You became the marketing director It was because you believed in the books, not the other way around. No, absolutely. I you became I, I
1: volunteered <laughs> to become the marketing director because I saw what what the guys were doing, and I said, you know what, they're making smart choices, and I need to get involved and I need you know
0: and put put my full weight behind them. Is there anything you would like to promote before we say goodbye to our kind listeners today? Um, anything you'd like to throw a spotlight on?
1: What, in, in terms of Action Lab books? or uh,
0: Whatever. It... something. I know you're working on a pretty big uh, licensed property right now.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm penciling the Terminator Enemy of My Enemy for Dark Horse. Issue 2 just came out. Issue 3 will be out uh, sometime in April. I don't remember exactly when. I think it might be uh towards the end, uh, towards the end of the month so i'm i'm working on that it's a six issue mini series that's being written by Dan Jolly and inked by Ray Snyder and it's it's been it's one of those things where you know you know 18 year old Jamal would just be
0: like i'm working on the terminator <laughs> 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 <You know? laughs> Now do you get to draw Arnold style terminators or just robots No no we can't do
1: no no we can't use any of the uh the
0: the oh, uh, okay
1: so I I had to come up with my own uh, uh, T800, you know Cyberdyne Systems model 105 or you know or whatever. Right, right, of course. <laughs> but it, the the of focus the 105. Of, yes, the, the the focus the focus of the series is a an ex uh, CIA uh, agent turned bounty hunter named Pharaoh Green, who is a cross between uh, Gina Torres and Gina Garano
0: Wow, those two are my favorite Ginas. Just this, you know,
1: Amazon, you know, woman who is you know, enough of a badass that she can go toe to toe with a Terminator. I guess so. Wow. So and uh, yeah, and she's uh, to trying to uh, trying to protect. It, it is actually. I'm, I'm just finishing up this eight page fight scene that, that takes place in a construction site, and it, you know, part of it is, for me is, you know, we wanted to show the 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 difference between you know the Terminator and and Pharaoh, where the Terminator is just throwing haymakers and Pharaoh is doing all these like you know, spit the uh, spinning back kicks and does this move with like the broken handle of a sledgehammer, where she's like flipping it around her and using it as a baton and like whacking him upside the head. And...
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that <one> sounds great. <laughs> I'll definitely have to check that out.
1: So yeah, so there's that, and then you know just keep. Everybody who's reading Action Lab, spread the word. We've got some great stuff that's out. We've got some great stuff that's coming up. We've got free comic book day that's coming up where we have our two free comic comic book day books, Skyward with our new series, Midnight Tiger by Ray Height. We also have uh, our Zombie Tramp and M Theory uh, free comic book day book, which will lead into both of those series launching new
0: volumes in June and July. Right. Plus also um, something I've been uh, trying to spread the word about, we, uh, special price on uh, Skyward number 10 in oh, uh, the new right. previews. Um, I'll be mentioning it earlier in this podcast, but I definitely want to get the word on that special price for the jumping on point there. Absolutely. And there's some good stuff coming
1: up in Skyward. We've got surprises. There will be a lot of surprises. <laughs> you know, we're you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, and and just... I just have to say that I couldn't be more thrilled to be involved with Action Lab at this point in time. You know, we're, you know, we've got a lot of really great stuff coming up. You know, we just signed uh, international licensing uh, agency deal with Grand Design Communications. We've got another uh, agreement that we just signed recently that we'll be making an announcement about very soon. Uh, And just, you know, we're we're pushing you know you know doing more multimedia stuff with the with the Vamplets Toys and with with audio comics who also did the uh, the Molly Danger audiobook and you know it, it's it's a good time to be at Action Lab. It's a good this is a great jumping on point in general if if you're just finding out about the company or just hearing about the company stick with us. We will not steer you wrong.
0: Are you uh, doing any of the convention circuit this year, sir?
1: Yes, I am actually. Um, I'm going to be April uh, I'm going to Asbury Park Comic Con uh, April 13th I will be at Awesome Con DC April 18th through the 20th I will be at San Diego Comic Con this year with with a bunch of the Action Lab guys Yes, uh, I might be doing both Baltimore and Toronto I have not decided yet but I, either one or the other, I will either be in Toronto for uh, Fan Expo or at Baltimore for Baltimore Comic-Con. And then uh, New York, obviously, and then uh, Jet City Comic-Con in Tacoma, Washington in November.
0: No, no Heroes Con this year?
1: Not this year because of the uh, the Diamond Retailer show. So... Oh, okay.
0: Gotcha. Well, thanks a lot for talking to us tonight, uh, Jamal. The book is uh, Molly Danger, definitely one of the flagship titles from Action Lab. Uh, We've been talking to Jamal Igle, writer, artist, uh, provocateur, raconteur, (laughs) um, marketing mogul, and uh, general all-around genius and great guy. Thanks a lot, Jamal.
1: Oh, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Anytime. I wanted to thank uh, Jamal Engel for joining me uh, for this episode of the Action Lab podcast. I really, really enjoyed talking to him. He's he's got a lot of cool things to say. He's got a lot of, uh, he's a very, very talented guy. And he he really is smart about his craft and what he's doing. And uh, it was a real honor to talk to him. it's, It's my pleasure to talk to everybody involved in Action Lab because, I really don't think there is anybody here that isn't uh, articulate and, and wonderful to, to speak to. Um, but I might be biased. I don't know. So thanks for joining us this week for the Action Lab podcast. We'll see you in a couple of weeks with the new installment. And uh, until then, with our um, free comic book day special. And uh, until then, we'll see you on the racks.